Welcome to the Quarantine Spook Show. I'm Kyle Carezzi. This is the show where I make up horror stories on the fly. Every title is submitted by the audience, and you can submit it uh, to quarantinespookshow at gmail.com if you choose to submit it there. Or tell me in person if you know me. Twitter's also a good place for the chat online. also worth noting the RSS feed for Quarantine Spook Show is live, and I've been adding previous recordings to it, so you should check that out on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find podcasts. Now tonight's quarantine... Tonight's quarantine... I have a raspy voice, excuse me. Tonight's Spook Show will be a little different. That's right. No. A different Spook Show. No, it's good different. But in this case, I think it's pretty cool. In this case, what I've, what I've normally done is that every story led to a different spook, a different story, culminating into about four stories per episode. In this case, I'll be telling one unfurling saga. The first title I draw will be the name of the entire saga, and then I'll draw three chapters and one epilogue. Well, I think it's going to be pretty cool. It is indeed extra. There's a lot of extra in this show. The spider story last week was a bit extra. But I... That was gross. That was, that was a lot. There's a lot of common milk. I mean milk. The milk was a metaphor. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> after the fact. Well, no one's kids are watching this. Let's not the bet. This is an adult show. Well, if... <laughs> during the live stream... Uh, there's a little box you can check whether or not it's for kids or not. I said, no, this is not for children. So I don't have to worry about YouTube advertising the stream to any children. They can be left to their Minecraft videos or whatever the kids are watching these days. Their sweet goat cam, who knows? That sweet, sweet goat footage. What am I spoiling? There are no goats in the hat. <laughs> are there? No. How would we know? I don't know. I didn't put any, I didn't put any goats I in the hat. I didn't put no goats. Okay. I'm going to take your word for it. So I can be plenty surprised if I do encounter a goat title. Well, it's not me. Alright. Now... Let's find out the title of this unfurling saga. This saga is called The Longest Nails, The Longest Toenails Known to Man. (laughs) 
Chapter 1. Night Falls on Cookie Island. say that I grew up on Cookie Island. Spent a lot of vacations there, spent a lot of weekends there. It was just off the coast where I did grow up. I grew up in a quaint little seaside town uh, in Jersey. And in the distance there was a little island called Cookie Island. And during our summers, me and my friends, we'd always sell out there. We had little canoes so that we could move her there, maneuver there. It was never too far out of reach, Cookie Island. I could see it from my house. A lot of kids in my neighborhood could. And it's not something the tourists or the uh, people who drive up to the beach during summers, it's nothing that they knew about. So they, uh, it wasn't like Nantucket now. It was our own little secret, our own little, co little cove. It was a place for us to be free. Oh, oh joy to Cookie Island, how I reminisce. But the days of Cookie Island are over. I suppose I should start from the beginning. When I was a child, in the summer of 2006, we, me and my friends, we spent one afternoon getting our canoe together and uh, going to Cookie Island. Some other kids there were from my school, you know. We had like a little village of sorts on Cookie Island. The adults never went. They only would visit when the uh, Cookie Island was first used as a playhouse for us, essentially. And they'll be like, what the hell's with this island off the shores of Jersey? Why are all these kids coming here? But they were just like, oh, it's just a place to play. Pretty safe, you know. We can see them from the coast on Cookie, uh, Sea and Cookie Island. So it's nothing that we have to worry about, surely. But boy, howdy, did I love Cookie Island. We call it a Cookie Island because the first time we went over, which not, I wasn't the first one over, but the first round of kids I went over about a decade ago, they brought a bunch of cookies there and then just ate a bunch of cookies on the island. And then with the following generations, the name just stuck, you know? And sometimes we brought cookies over to the island as tradition. But none of us ever stayed on Cookie Island long enough for night to fall. You couldn't see Cookie Island well from the coast if it was nighttime. There are no lights or electricity there. Part That was part of the freedom of it. The lack of supervision. Supervision. But we, no one dared to hang out on Cookie Island at night. That's when the teenagers came in. And, you know, I never had any trouble spending time with teenagers. You know, I could hold my own. I wouldn't challenge one in a fight, but, you know, 
I can talk about, you know, South Park or whatever with them, you know. No big deal. That's what all teenagers are into. They're just watching South Park all day, you know. That's why they go there at night, you know. They bring little TVs and generators and watch South Park. So that's what I know, you know. I don't know the mysteries of adulthood, but I know at least teenagers like South Park. It was 2006 after all. But there was one night when, uh, me and two other friends, we, uh, we were trapped there because our canoe had a hole in it. And we all discussed it, and it was just like, well, we can't really canoe our way back to shore with this, uh, hole in our canoe. We would sink, and it's too far away to swim. So I said, well, there are some teenagers here. They brought their canoes. Maybe we can ask one of them to, you know, help us maneuver back to the uh, shore where we came from. And my two friends were in agreement. Like, yeah, that sounds like a solid plan. Only presuming if the teenagers comply. And I thought, what could go wrong? So we approached one of the... So when night fell, we saw the first canoe arrive, and uh, some teenagers were on it, about four of them. So we asked, you know, hey, uh, you know, before you guys get settled, uh, we gotta get back to the shore before uh, night officially falls. Uh, can one of you guys canoe with us back? But the teenagers all didn't, didn't really register us speaking. They just kind of just went and did their own thing. And we were just like, ah, oh, that was weird. Are we gonna just be like that staring at the floor when we were teenagers and I was like nah nah of course not nah another canoe came and uh, more teenagers came I didn't recognize these teenagers you know the first batch were in the neighborhood I think one of them was my friend's brother but this new batch of teenagers you know I didn't recognize them maybe they were from out of town who knows So we go up to this group of teenagers, and it's like, oh, can you help us uh, canoe back to the shore? It's already nighttime, you know, we're not supposed to be out this late, you know, our parents worry about us, and we don't want to be here in the dark. And again, the teenagers didn't really register anything. Didn't reg register our existence or anything. So my one friend turns to me, turns to me, he's just like, what's going on with these teenagers? And I'm just like, oh, you know, it's, I'm sure it's a fluke. Worst case scenario, we'll have to stay overnight, and maybe we can borrow one of the canoes uh, to get back to the shore in the morning when, the, when they're asleep or something. I don't know. I'm just trying to think on my feet here. Two more canoes arrive on the island. All teenagers. But they also had a lot of bags with them. We asked the teenagers again, hey, can you take us to the shore? We're not supposed to be out here that late. One of them said, well, why would you want to be on the shore and not be on Cookie Island at night? And I just say, look, we're not, we're just not allowed to, supposed to, we're not supposed to be out here late at night. We really just want to get back, you know? We got school in the morning and all, and I tried to throw a bunch of like little kid excuses as I could, just, you know, so they would take me seriously. But it didn't work at all. One of the teenagers said, just hang out with us, you know, we'll let you back in the morning. 
And even though it was something I suggested earlier in the evening, I didn't like the sound of that. It had a variable to that to my evening, you know. They were supposed to air new episodes of Invader Zim from the second season that they didn't air when it was first cancelled. And I really wanted to witness that on cable, and I didn't want to be stuck on this island to miss it. But that's unfortunately what happened. So we uh, hang out with the teenagers, they set up a campfire, they didn't watch any South Park. You know, maybe less people watch South Park, South Park than I imagined, I don't know. So it's kind of starts off like you see in the movies, you know, just a bunch of like, you know, Ferris, Ferris Bueller's Day Off slash Breakfast Club type of shenanigans, you know, just hanging out, talking about cigarettes, not all of them having cigarettes, you know dabbling in their uh, precarious cigarette habits, like, oh, I could smoke, smoke, I can quit smoking anytime I wanted to. Didn't have the foresight at the time to tell them, oh, it's not quite that easy. I didn't have a smoking habit when I was that young. But I do now. And then they're all hanging out, just getting close to midnight from they tell, from what they've told me. Uh, two of my friends are already starting to fall asleep. Until one of the teenagers, with a flannel tied around his waist, said, Alright, I guess it's time, right guys? And the other teenagers complied like, yeah, yeah, let's do it now. A lot more socially engaging than when they first uh, landed on the shore, but one of them had a bottle of vodka that they passed around. Maybe that contributed? Or maybe they were just excited for what's to come. And then one of the teenagers looked at me, he's like, you can come if you want to, you know, it's not that much of a big deal. And I was just like, well, I guess, before I sleep, you know, see, well, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. I'll see why all the teenagers come here at night. So eventually, uh, we all go, we go into the woods, just the light woods. Uh, there's a, and a little cove that they encounter they lead the way. Some of them have flashlights. We're all walking down this uh, catacomb of sorts. I was the only one that didn't have to bend down walking through it. And as we keep walking, we enter this grand opening. It's like a, sh it's like a shrine of, sh of sorts. What we saw was a dead body and, having, and the body surrounded by candles probably over a hundred candles, all melted to different degrees, most of them all the way worn down, but the wax still remained. So I'm just like, oh, this is weird, is this some sort of like adulthood, like, rite of passage or something? And then one teenager nudged me on the shoulder, it's like, no dude, look! And then I looked down at the corpse's toenails. And I could have sworn, to this day, there are the longest toenails that I've ever seen. If not the longest toenails known to man. No strange oddity cable show has ever shown me any toenails longer. They're as long as you imagine them. 
At first I thought, alright, maybe the person was starting to grow them like for 10 or 20 years. But the teenagers explained to me that no, this body keeps growing toenails. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? He's like, no dude, watch. We stay up all night and just watch them grow. <laughs> Now, from my understanding of toenails, toenails can still grow approximately maybe two weeks after body is de deceased. But gauging on how long this body has been down here, there's no way these toenails could keep growing. And you know what? It was the first all-nighter I ever pulled with these teenagers. But by Jove, I watched those toenails grow. All the way till dawn, they curled and unfurled. They yellowed and they browned. But these were the largest toenails in town. <laughs> So dawn came and the teenagers thought I was cool for staying up all night. And me and my two friends saw me and they like, oh, did you stay up all night? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, well, what, do you, what did you do? And I was just like, oh, nothing. Just boring teenager stuff, you know. Just talked about South Park or whatever. But I couldn't tell them what I witnessed. It was an oddity for sure. So the teenagers take their canoes, take us with them. We go to the shore. Me and my friends never really talked about that night again. But it wasn't the last time we went to Cookie Island. We now, the division in, uh, in our town is uh, kids would go to the Cookie Island during the day, teenagers would go at night, as I learned because of the toenails. But my parents wouldn't let me stay out all night unless it was emergencies such as a broken canoe. So I had to go during the day but I still wanted to see the toenails. So what I would do is, when me and my friends would go to Cookie Island, I would sneak down to the cove and just watch the toenails grow. Even during the daylight they grew. There were no candles to be lit, but there was still some sunlight showing the toenails. And I was just like, oh yeah, this is a feat. Eventually, my friends became more concerned that I kept disappearing over and over again when we went to the cove. They were just like, hey, where do you keep going? I'm just like, oh, nowhere, nowhere. I'm around, you know. It's not a large island, you know. I gotta be somewhere. And I'm just like, no, I'm just hanging out with you guys. No big deal. But they didn't know that I was watching the toenails. The longest toenails known to man. One day, one evening, I sneak out of my parents' house, I take the canoe, and I go all the way to the island by myself. I've never done that without help. And I join some teenagers in, in the ceremony, lighting the candles, watching the toenails. It's better than cable. And I was just like, oh, I can't get enough of these toenails. And another kid was just like, I know, right? 
and I'm just like, yeah, even if I go to my friends during the daytime, you know, it's, I still gotta watch these toenails. And the teenager says, wait, you've been seeing the toenails in the daytime? And I say, yeah, why? And he says, well, no one's ever done that before. The reason is because the reason why these toenails keep growing well, no one really knows why these toenails keep growing, but no one ever visits this corpse in the daytime. It's kind of a bit of like a mummy myth, you know, like it walks around and whatnot, you know, kind of like a, a full-fledged zombie thing. They say if you cast sight on the corpse in the daytime, then the corpse will come after you. And I'm just like, oh, what a silly myth that is. But you know, that night, it could have just been the candle reflecting in the corpse's eyes in a certain way. But I could have sworn that the corpse was looking right at me. <laughs> Even when I moved around the room, it wouldn't follow its sight upon me. But if I looked away and then looked back, it was back looking at me. And I was just like, oh, it must be, must be all these all-nighters I'm spending. Uh, all this time with the corpse, I think I need a break from it or something. So I take that break, uh, you know, a week goes by. And then me and my friends spend a, a day at uh, Cookie Island. When we go to the island, I go down and I was expecting the corpse to rise or something, but corpse was still there. And I didn't realize how long I missed this corpse and these toenails. So I do something drastic. I break off the toenails. I I had a jar with me. It was it was a pre-planned thing. It was a rush. The sound of the toenail snapping off the toes. I didn't just take off, I didn't break the toenail to interrupt their sanctity. I removed the toenails from the toe, slid it off. Those decades of curls, I just shove them in my jar. And when I find out that they don't fit in my jar, I just shove them in my bag. I don't think about it, I just do it. And I leave. About a month later, you know, throughout that month, kids have steadily stopped going to Cookie Island at night. They do just to hang out and whatnot, but not the all-nighters like they did before. And eventually one of the teenagers reported the body to the police so that they could be found and picked up and stored in a mortuary somewhere. And, uh, his, I think his name was, uh, uh, I forgot his name. I think it was, uh, Edward Lancaster. I didn't know much about his life. He's apparently been down there for about a decade or so. It's hard to pinpoint the time. But I don't think about that night often. But I still have those toenails. <laughs> End of chapter one.
Yeah, I mean, they keep growing, you know? They do keep growing. Every time I look down, I mean, when the sword was talking about looking at the movie. <laughs> <laughs> now then, is anyone ready for chapter two? This is a part of the same narrative, the longest toenails known to man. <laughs> and now we begin chapter two. I don't know what this last word is. Oh, <laughs> I can't believe this made it here tonight. I hate my mom. <laughs> oh. I already see. <laughs> I already see where this story's gonna go. Oh my God. <laughs> if there's anybody who can handle this, it's you. All right. <laughs> this is chapter two of the longest toenails known to man, and it's called "I Hate My Mom." <laughs> reluctantly told my mother about the toenails <laughs> that I had them you know that I kept them with me with every apartment and house that I've moved into and I always I told my mom the story of that night with the toenails and she she actually knew Edward Lancaster they went to high school together and she didn't know why he disappeared. Or at least that's what she told me. Apparently her generation also went to Cookie Island all those nights ago. Back when she was kids. And when she was a teenager she went there. But at that time they didn't have the toenail ceremony that my neighborhood did. So I remember the conversation very well, just like, yeah, I got those, yeah, you know that, uh, Edward Lancaster that was found on Cookie Island, and, uh, and she was just like, yeah, yeah, they were, yeah, it's, it's, it's a shock that no one's ever found him, you know, it was a dear friend of mine, and I was like, well, people knew about him, but you see, his toenails grew after he died, for like a decade or two, no one's ever really made the measurements, but everyone kept their body down, kept Edward's body in the cove and would just watch his toenails grow, grow all night. And she was just like, oh, well, did you watch his toenails grow? I took a deep breath and I said, I did, Mom. I watched those motherfuckers grow until dawn. And she's like, well, okay. I mean, it's not like flat earthers but geez you know and I said well that's not the weird thing and she says that's not the weird thing hoarding a dead body for a decade generation by generation that's the weird thing what's the weird thing to you and I say well I still have those toenails oh, God. 
And when people found out that the toenails were missing, that that's when they reported the body, and she's just like, huh, huh, okay. Um, where are those toenails? And I was just like, oh, they're, uh, in my house. I lived in, I, I live in Maryland. I lived in Maryland uh, in those days. And, you know, I had a nice little house, you know, a nice little view of a pasture. I don't know if Maryland's known for their pastures, but boy, howdy, I had a view of a great field. And I was just like, yeah, I just keep them in my basement, you know. And she was just like, oh, I'm going to come over and take those toenails. And I was just like, what? You don't have to do that. And she's just like, you can't be hoarding those toenails. And I was just like, no, no. I, well, it's just, a, it's, a little, it's just a childhood emblem, Mom, you know, no big deal. You just want to be near their piano. There, there's a cat in the room. That's that's the brief uh, intermission. Now, um, the cat that's seen a ghost. There's a ghost in the room. <laughs> who's 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 that? Oh, it's just a uh, oh, you know, just uh, my partner. We have a cat, and the cat thinks that uh, the cat uh, sees a ghost or something. And mom said, "Well, have you considered that the cat actually does see a ghost?" No, it's just like, ghost of whom? My mom says, well, the ghost of uh, Edward. He took his toenails after all. And you think you want them back? And I'm just like, oh, ma, don't be ridiculous, you know? They're just some toenails, just a morbid fascination with the human body. No big deal, you know? And she said, all right, well, let me ask you this. toenails still grow? I remained silent for about a minute, or what felt like a minute, and I said, what if they did, Mom? What if the toenails did still grow after they'd been detached by the body almost 15 years ago? And she said, well, if the toenails still grow, I'll confirm everything I know about Edward Lancaster. And I calmly said, what do you know about Edward Lancaster? And she said, well, like I said, she was a, he, Edward was a dear friend of mine in high school, you know? We always hung out and stuff. But, uh, he'd get into these strange, uh, contests, you know, about, uh, just, you know, about, uh, body parts. He was, he was the kid that you knew that would eat anything. Ew. And then I was just like, anything? And I was just like, yeah, you know, toilet paper, shampoo, glass once. And I was just like, glass? I was like, well, he, he dulled the edges so it didn't cut the inside of my stomach. His stomach. 
but he ate that glass for sure. There was actually a Channel 6 news story about him. I can send you the footage sometime. I think it's on YouTube. This was pre-Shoe Nice, and he was just like, yeah, I eat things, you know? Edward Lancaster, you know? I'll take requests about what I can eat. And I was just like, oh, Mom, that's ridiculous. And she said, well, there was one thing that he ate that made him stop doing it. And I was like, what was that? And she said, dead man's toenails and I was like a dead man's toenails and she was just like yeah apparently uh, a cousin of his died and one of his friends dared him to eat his cousin's toenails not a lot just taking little just clipped off little <laughs> clipped off little bits of it <laughs> and served it on a plate and he ate it with a spoon Wiped his mouth with a, na with a napkin after it. He made a big show of it. He presented it like he was eating fancy lobster at his cousin's funeral. I was at that funeral, you know. And I was just like, Mom, that's gross. I mean, I mean, so what if he ate toenails or whatever? And she was just like, yeah, but that's not the half of it, though. That's when he stopped eating things. When we'd ask him, like, hey, do you want to eat, like, a sock or something? Or, you know, grass or something? It was hard to top a corpse's toenails. And he was like, no, no, I don't I do not do that anymore. Uh, those toenails got me really sick. I don't, um, I can't do that. No, no. I even briefly dated him, his mom said. My mom said. We'd go to restaurants. But then I had to break up with him because he'd always cut his toenails in restaurants. And I'm just like, Edward, why do you keep... Do you know how rude that is to cut your nails, like, in a public setting? And he was like, yeah, but I have to cut my toenails. They will not stop growing. And, yeah, so my mom went on about how she dated Edward for about a week or two, a couple weeks, and then broke it off. But he'd always go on about his toenails, how they grew so quickly without his, you know, without his doing. First, four times faster than his fingernails, then almost instantaneously. And then, uh, then he disappeared, my mom said. And I was just like, it's a very bizarre story about him. And she said, now you have his toenails. And I was like, so what do you, so what if I do? And she's like, well, so, maybe his toenails growing was beyond him. Maybe. Now you, it's a burden you have to bear now, bear now, because you have his toenails. And I'm just like, mom, that's, that's ridiculous. And she was just like, well, when was the last time you checked on the toenails? And I was just like, I don't check on them, you know? This was 15 years ago. And she was like, son, if everyone in your neighborhood went to watch those toenails grow for over 10 years, I'm sure you still watch them. How long are they? And I was just like, oh, it's not that long at all. And she was just like, send me a picture. And I was like, what? Send me a picture of all the toenails that were grown. And I was 
was like, all right, fine. If I can get them all together, I mean, it's just like a, just like a, it's like, it's like wires at this point, you know? They just curl and they're all fine, but I'll do it. I'll do it. So then I go down to the basement. I set up the camera app on my phone. I turn on the light and cast my sight on the entire basement floor. It is nothing but a sea of toenails. All curls that morphed into like waves of the ocean. Just like the ocean of Cookie Island when I went there as a child. And the toenails would move too, even if it was only by increments. It was like a different rhythm of waves every time I cast sight on them. Truly a sight to behold. Couldn't even see the floor. I couldn't use the basement at all. I did all my storage in the attic. I'd say it's about, uh, the toenails were about six to ten inches high, all spread out on the entire... I put my favorite pieces of toenails on shelves. It was a lot like Hot Wheels tracks that I tried to orchestrate all around the basement, all around the poles and all, like, the ceiling beams. Really, a true mastery of outsider art, if I do say so myself. But I can no- never show anyone this outside my family. So I was just like, you know what? I think it's just like, oh, I think it's time I show this project that I've been working on implicitly this whole time. So I take the picture and I send it to my mom. And then I'm on the phone with her still, ready for the sweet, sweet words of encouragement about how proud she is about preserving this feat of human history and human nature and design. For the species, it's an achievement of the species. If aliens came, we'd show them the toenails, how we preserved it, how we preserved an extension of ourselves. But she stayed silent on the phone for about three minutes. And I was like, Mom, you're still there? And she was just like, burn your house down. And I was like, what? She was just like, your toenails are out of control. No amount of moving companies can take that shit out. My theory is that the ghost of Edward Lancaster is haunting you because you took his toenails. And you gotta burn that motherfucker down. And I'm like, oh, mom, come on. And you said uh, Edward Lancaster didn't even like the toenails. It was a plague on him. You know? So why would he come to get them? And she said, For the same reason you kept them. They are an oddity. And true, he didn't let them grow long on purpose, but they're still a part of his body, you know? So his spirit still surrounds you, surrounds your house. And if you don't want the worst to come, you should burn your house down. I was just like, oh, that's ridiculous. Then I hear the cat meow again, meowing at the wall. At first I thought it was a shadow against the wall from all the light sources in the room. But no, she's meowing at something specific. And then I follow the cat down the hall to another room. And then all of a sudden, I see the apparition of Edward Lancaster. Looks just like the corpse 
that uh, I saw upon him from that first day I saw him on Cookie Island. And I was just like, oh shit. And I panicked, you know? I didn't know what to do. I wanted to flee my house. That's what a lot of people do with haunted houses do. I'm just like, oh, I gotta get out of here. What should I do? But I can't go empty-handed. So I rush down to the basement. And it breaks my and there's it breaks my heart to ever clip these toenails. But I know where the roots are stored. All ten of them. They're at a specific corner of the room. They stay in the same spot all the five years that I've stayed in this house. So I'm just like, alright. All I have to do is reach that corner of the room. So I had to traverse the sea of toenail. All one extension. All like Hot Wheel tracks connected to each other. I swim and swim freestyle, trying to get it, and then all the toenails move and whatnot. But it's not them moving on their own. It's like swimming in a sea of bones. Every time I see them move, it's like their own apparition coming to get me, but I know it's just raw corpse matter. So I keep going, and I take those nubs, and then I break them off the best I can. But I didn't have any scissors or knives or any sort of tools with me to cut them. They've grown very firm over the years. So I use my teeth. I gnaw at the toenails as much as I can. And I take those nubs, the roots of those nails. I take them, I hide in my pocket. And I run out of my house as far as I could run. I didn't come up as. Well, I hope you're all satisfied. <laughs> the book isn't over yet for tonight. Qu- quite an uh, odyssey that's unfolding. That was a, quite an <laughs> odyssey, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Scott. I don't need therapy in the story after this. <laughs> yeah. This thing is over. It's a lot of yeah. therapy involving nail art. Well, I mean, Edward <laughs> Lancaster. <laughs> Clipped his toenails. It didn't do him much good. That is true. Because if you just clip them, they'll just keep growing. Is there any solution? Is no. no really. These mysterious toenails. <laughs> All right. I have the last chapter, the second to last uh, installment of the saga, "The Longest Nails Known to Man." Chapter 3 Stupid Towel
that's what I muttered to myself, sitting on the street corner. I had the jar of the, four, of the, of the ten roots clutched in my jacket. They always grew, and I had to trim them every day, about 12 times a day, so they wouldn't, so they wouldn't make the jar burst or the lid pop off. I dedicated my life to preserving these toenails. It was preserving these toenails were probably the closest thing to immortality I could ever reach. sat there on that Miami sidewalk. I never realized how blue the oceans were in Florida. Makes me think about Jersey and how it's, the ocean is polluted over there. But it was still the ocean that I grew up with. And I doubt that there's any coast, any coach town, coast town, any sort of island off of Florida or in the Caribbean that can compare to my dreams on Cookie Island. How I wanted to return to the bliss of my childhood before I ever encountered these toenails, before I ever dedicated my life to them. I would mainly drift in Miami, you know. Sometimes I could find a short-term job and get enough money to either stay at a motel or just stay at a short-term apartment, or a subletted place, you know. I liked Miami overall. They had a nice little thing going, you know. Sometimes I like to go to casinos to gamble, try to earn any money back, still having the toenails clutched to my breast, hiding. No one must ever know about these toenails. The way my mother reacted to them, it was clear that this was my burden to bear, must know about these toenails. So one day in Miami, having my civic duty of preserving these toenails, I walk by a beachfront store, and all these uh, mannequins were uh, showing their beachwear and whatnot, you know. All the usual suspects. I remember I walked by that same storefront during a hurricane and they had a raincoat on. And I was just like, ha ha ha. Hurricane jokes. Very nice storefront. But when I walked by... There was one mannequin with a, a towel around its waist, tied around it. It reminded me of one of the teenagers that tied a flannel around his waist on that fateful night on Cookie Island when all this, all these shenanigans began. So I looked at the towel, they had it on display, and my first thought was, huh, this is a stupid towel. <laughs> it had a it had a lot going on to it. It was definitely uh, usually a lot of towels had like a lot of specific designs on it. Sometimes it was an American flag. Uh, sometimes it was a hundred dollar bill. As if those things had any meaning these days. Ooh. 
Yeah, or like a smiley face, you know, whatever. A map of Florida, because Florida's like that, I guess. Mickey Mouse. Any commercial image you can put on a towel, that's what you'd find. Or maybe just like stripes or polka dots or something. But this one was more of like an absurd 1980s avant-garde piece, you know. Where it has like a lot of 1930s minimalism in it. A lot of shapes distorted. And I was just like, oh, what is this, what is this towel trying to prove to present all these shapes and whatnot? And even though I had a mild resentment for the towel, I couldn't look away. I was just like, well, it is a super towel, but you know what? I need it for the beach, so I guess I'll purchase it. So I go in and purchase the towel. Half-mindedly, I almost presented the toenails to the cashier. That would have been a sight. So no, I pay. I just have the t I just have the toenail so closely to me at hand. So I purchased a towel, and I think, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna spend the day on the beach. You know, there's a one commercial beach that just lets anyone on. You know, not with a hotel property on it. Kind of out of the way, kind of uh, offshore. You know, not technically offshore, on the shore, but you know what I mean. So then I go to the beach, and I set up the avant-garde art towel on the sand, and I think to myself, huh, it's time to clip those toenails. So I take them out, I have my signature nail clipper, uh, it's encased with uh, gold, and I cut them, and I leave the shards, you know, in the sand. And I make sure I'm out of sight when I'm cutting these toenails. No one was around that day because it was overcast and windy. So I clip the cut toenails in my usual regimented way. And you know, it's just a simple procedure. You know, all you do is just unscrew the cap and then take one toenail out at a time, clip it, toss it back in, and repeat the process for 10 times. But the wind keeps picking up. And then someone approaches me and it's just like, hey, my hat, my hat. And I was just like, what? And I, at first I think that he's seeing me clip my toenails and I'm just like, huh, awful. And he's just like, no, can you get my hat? And I was like, oh yeah, it's a hat. So I go and run up real quick, and I grab the hat, and I return it to him, keeping the toenail jar out of sight. And he's just like, oh, thanks, man. I'm just like, yeah, no worries. But then I see the towel blow away, and I'm just like, ah, oh, this stupid fucking towel. So I go chase it and chase it down. It doesn't take long. I only have to sprint for just a couple of seconds. And then I grab the towel, and it's just like, all right, it's fine. If I go into the water, I have something to dry myself off with, you know. But then I return to the spot where I was sitting. The jar is tipped over, and the toenails are gone. I don't know where the toenails are. Surely they could have fallen in the sand. I could find the clippings that I clipped, but I couldn't find the roots. The roots were what made the toenails, what made them special. So I kept digging in the sand. 
trying to find them. I had no luck. And I'm just like, oh, this stupid fucking towel. I can't believe. So I'm just digging into the sand. With my bare hands, the sand getting into my fingernails. Which have also gotten pretty long, as with my toenails as well. I spent so much attention clipping these mysterious toenails that I haven't paid much attention to my own. And I'm just like, oh no, this is awful. What do I do? I don't have any memories of my life that existed before the toenails. They were everything I had, everything I was. What do I do without these mysterious toenails? So I just, I just sit down. I just sit down on the sand, really contemplating, you know, what my life has unfolded to, just preserving all of these toenails. Then a moment of clarity hits, and I think, they're gone. There are no toenails to take care of. And I nod slowly to myself, and I'm just like, yes, the burden has been lifted. I don't have anything to obsess over. Oh, how wonderful. I can revisit Cookie Island without any sort of resentment over what it's cast upon me. You know, I can... I can rebuild my to a toenail-free life is in store for me. And I think about the relief that the toenails are finally gone. I couldn't believe that I obsessed so much over them. And I think to myself, well, I suppose it's not immortality now because the toenails are gone. So I get excited. I return to the motel room that I was staying at during my... Uh, during the past two weeks in Miami, as I've said, I've switched from motels to short-term apartments. And this string, I was in a motel. And I'm just excited. Oh, I got my stupid towel and everything, and I'm just like, oh, this is a new beginning. I can set forth on whatever my life can be. So then, uh, you know, I just take off my shirt, I take off my sandals, and I notice... I haven't trimmed my toenails in a while. And I was just like, well, I better use these clippers for something. So then I trimmed my toenails, you know, normal. And then while I was in a, while I was staying in that motel for the next week, I was trying to find a second job so I can raise money to travel somewhere else, a new change of scene for Miami. But I noticed my toenails have been growing longer than usual. very bizarre. So I trim my toenails again. Seems like it's something I have to do every night. And I'm just like, but toenails don't grow this quickly. Surely. Eventually over time I have to trim my toenails twice a day. And I'm just like, no. This is ridiculous. Eventually I find myself, you know, trimming my toenails in restaurants and fast food places, in public restrooms, in parking lots, anywhere where I can get release of not having toenails cut my sock open, <laughs> or cutting my shoe even. That's how much these toenails have grown. Eventually it's become so much more difficult 
to get my life back on track with these fucking toenails I have to clip several times to a dozen times a day. And I sit in my motel room and I just think, oh, if it wasn't for that fucking towel, that stupid towel <laughs> that I had to chase down. And I was just, eventually I hit a, I hit a breaking point. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just gonna let these toenails grow. See how long they go for. Maybe trim them less often. They don't have to be super short, you know. So I do that. But what ends up happening is that my toenails get longer. They start to curl. They start to yellow. They start to brown. All in the same ways as that corpse did from Cookie Island all those years ago. I'm just like, this can't be happening to me now. Am I encountering the same fate as Edward Lancaster? Lancaster? Is this a curse he bestowed upon me? No, it's impossible. I'm just... trying to walk down from my motel room from a job I had at a gas station walking at three o'clock in the morning it was an hour drive because I didn't have money for bus fare my feet keep hurting because all my curled toenails are just like stuffed into my shoe it's such a driving prying pain and I was just like oh, I can't take it anymore and I just so uh... As I'm walking, I'm walking by a, a Home Depot on the edge of the highway. I run to the Home Depot, run through the parking lot. Eventually I find a nearby brick and break the glass from the Home Depot. I sprint through the aisles. And I grab a chainsaw. The alarm's going off, but I don't care. Just have to get rid of these fucking toenails once and for all. So I'm grabbing the chainsaw. I run out, out of sight from the Home Depot. I find some place on the edge of the highway, secluded by some palm trees or whatever's in Miami. I'm behind some rocks. I can still hear the cars passing by one at a time. And I turn and I pull the chainsaw, but it doesn't have any gas. And I'm just like, shit, what do I do? keep walking again trying to conceal my chainsaw but it's a chainsaw it's pretty hard to conceal there's a giant blade on it you know but it's also florida so i guess i can get away with that sort of thing who knows not to diss florida in any way you know anyway i find a gas station and i go in with my chainsaw and the dude's like whoa 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 and i'm just like no 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 i just i need some gas for my chainsaw and he's just like what i need some gas for my chainsaw because i need them to cut my toenails and I'm just like, please? And he says, we got some canisters in the back. You can, buy, you can buy one. But I want you, your chainsaw, and your toenails out of here. And I'm just like, yes, thank you. And then eventually it starts to rain a little bit. Which doesn't happen often in Florida. So I fill the chainsaw with gas and I find another secluded spot among some trees and I can see some I can see the ocean in the distance from where I'm sitting off a cliffside view 
I take the chainsaw and I fill it with gas and I turn it on and then it's revving louder than anything. I'm worried that people will hear, but it's in a secluded enough spot where I should be in the clear. And I'm like, okay, the time has come. So I go for the chainsaw, I rev it, it's going, and I cut off all of my toenails, one after another. I did what I could to keep my toes intact, but none of them had any nails to speak of. I took off a lot of flesh and skin off my toes. And all ten toenails, still intact, were just spread out on the grass before me, all curling and still oh, growing God, even. Why? And I'm just like, okay, my toes are bleeding. It may take quite a bit of time to learn how to walk properly again, but I think I can do it. I think I finally rid myself of these toenails. Oh my God, you're gross. <laughs> and I sit there in relief, the catharsis of it. Yeah. I don't care that my feet are bleeding. It's just finally over. The toenails are ridden from me at last. It's all thanks to that stupid towel to provoke the chain of events that led to this relief and bliss. <sighs> Take a breath. Watch the waves. And I look down, getting a bit tired. And I see the toenails. And then I notice that they're still growing. And then, without thinking, I take the toenails and put them in my pocket and then leave with them. It is time for the epilogue and the final chapter of the longest toenails known to man. Epilogue and final chapter of the longest toenails known to man is called Mirror Image. Mirror Image. 
was hard to do to look into the mirror. But I've done what I could after this lifelong toenail odyssey. It started and isn't enough. Just a morbid curiosity with toenails and their ability to grow after death. But then it turned to an obsession, taking the toenails for myself. And then it turned into what I believed to be a supernatural curse. And not only have my toenails been bestowed with this mysterious curse, but now I have to live with the shame of it. Dr. Thaddeus uh, chewed on his pen for a while after the rant of this toenail odyssey. But Dr. Thaddeus was a... Uh, he, he tried to be as sympath sympathetic as he could to such a grand tale such as this. I think that was that was a lot. And Ronald said, "Yeah, it all started with uh, going to Cookie Island when night fell." And uh, the doctor said, "Yeah, yeah, that's right." And Ronald went on, and then you know, I kept them in my basement. They grew for a long time, and then Miami happened, and now I have a lot of flesh missing from my toes. But I'm trying to get over it, Doctor Thaddeus. I just want to be well. Dr. Thaddeus looked into Ronald's eyes. He seemed earnest enough. But he's had patients before where they were obsessed with something and then tried to communicate that they were over it and they were clearly not. So Dr. Thaddeus took some time studying, uh, studying Ronald and his mannerisms. He was just like, all right, well, so what happened after, uh, after you cut off the toenails with a chainsaw outside of Miami? And Donald said, well, I kept those toenails for a while, but eventually I couldn't keep up with it anymore. I just, you know, I spent the next several years to preserve them. Eventually it became futile. I think I had a had a friend who wanted to put me on borders and try to put me on reality television for keeping all these toenails. And I was just like, no, no, I just want to be left alone with my toenails. But eventually I get, got rid of them in the best way that I knew how. And Dr. Thaddeus said, well, how's that? And Ronald said, well, the way I figure it, this all started because I stole toenails from a dead man, from Edward Lancaster. Dr. Thaddeus says, yes, the man you saw on Cookie Island. And, Don and uh, Ronald said, that's right. But then the same curse started to be bestowed upon my toenails, and which I kept for a good while after that. And Dr. Thaddeus said, right, right. 
So then Ronald said, so... The best thing that I could do... Was I went to the cemetery in Jersey, where Edward Lancaster was buried. I dug up his grave and threw my toenails into the casket. And Dr. Thaddeus says, whoa, well, Ronald, that's, that's, that's illegal, man, you know? It's not a act of violence against someone, but you know, you gotta, you tampered with someone's remains, that's bastardly. And Ronald said, no, no, don't you understand? This is making peace, this is coming to terms. I have returned what I've stolen. And ever since then, I've been far more adjusted. My family and kids have been talking to me again. And I've been seeing therapy. I've been seeing you, Dr. Thaddeus. And Dr. Thaddeus says, yeah, well, that's progress. But you still have a lot of, uh, a lot of complexes that, uh, have come from all this toenail hoarding. I think it's kind of damaged you in some ways. And you have to do a lot of work to become well once again. And Ronald said, I know, I know, but I'm willing to commit to that change. And Dr. Thaddeus says, well, all right, but I think the first thing that you should do is contact the Lancaster family and tell them that you buried your toenails with Edward Lancaster. And then Ronald looked very grim, very cold, he said, Dr. Thaddeus, I can't do that. And doctor said, why not? Because it'll all reawaken again. As soon as I cast sight on those toenails, the obsession will occur. Will reoccur once again. And I'll do anything to preserve, to protect those toenails. Do you understand, doctor? And Dr. Thaddeus said, I think I, no, of course I understand. I understand how it is from your point of view. But in this situation, I think the right and moral thing to do would be to alert the family that you buried these toenails so that they can remove them and throw them in the trash or something, wherever, whatever people do with toenails besides hoarding them. You know, I don't know, I guess they're biodegradable, whatever. But just getting, getting rid of them not burying them with someone. That's really, yeah, don't, don't do that, Ronald. Ronald says, well, you know what? Uh, you know what, Dr. Thaddeus? I, I really can't do this. And Dr. Thaddeus says, tell you what, we can do it together. If you, if you, during the session, if you can call the Lancasters and tell them what you did, then I'll join you in, in bury, unburying the body, digging up the body once again, and removing the toenails, and then we can dispose of them properly together. Ronald said, I don't know. I don't think I can do that. I don't think I can awaken that lifetime of toenail-related turmoil once again. I mean, doctor, I don't even have toenails. That's how serious this, this has become. And the doctor says, well, you have to try it. I think it's the best thing to do to become better. And then Ronald said, well, Dr. Thaddeus, if, you know, if that's what you believe, then we'll do it. We'll do it. And then Thaddeus said, great. 
Great. So, during that session, uh, Ronald does call the Lancasters. They're mortified at first, but then understanding Edward's history with toenails, they can they can understand to a degree. But they do uh, they do agree to uh, being present when the body is dug up, and then uh, Thaddeus and Ronald taking the toenails. They all meet at the cemetery in another over overcast day. And the gravekeeper there is, uh, you know, digging up the body right now, you know. Takes about an hour or so. And Thaddeus and Ronald chat during this. And Dr. Thaddeus says, oh, you've been feeling okay, Ronald? And Ronald's just like, oh no, this is, all feels very wrong. I keep looking my, in a keep looking in the mirror at the mirror image of myself and I'm just like no no this is the way it cannot be and then Dr. Thaddeus says uh, it'll be okay it'll be okay you know I think after this you'll be able to look yourself in the mirror and it'll be fine and then Ronald nodded and said that's yeah that's kind of my goal with therapy if I could look myself in the mirror and feel okay then I think that's a good time to move on from therapy and a good sign that I'll be well-adjusted enough to make it on my own. That's my own personal bar, anyway. And Thaddy says, yeah, that's a, that's a nice bar. Yeah, good for you. Whatever, whatever, helps, whatever helps keep you healthy. That's my motto. That's my whole guide to this practice, and that's why we're here today. So eventually the, the grave is dug up, and there's the casket. casket. Ronald takes a deep breath. He says, oh, I don't know if I can do this, Dr. Thaddeus. And Dr. Thaddeus says, that's okay. That's okay. So they open the casket. And then it springs up. The entirety of the inside of the casket. It's all toenail. Everyone's mortified. And Ronald... It's just like, oh, it's all coming back. I mean, doesn't this look cool, Doctor? And Dr. Thaddeus is like, no, this is awful. Look at this body. Look at what happened to it. And then the, uh... Edward Lancaster's niece, who was also present that day, she goes in. She's the one who takes the... She digs through all the, uh, curled toenails. And then is able to see Edward's body. Much more corroded and skeletified than... Ronald remembered it. He's just like, yes, that's that's the body, all right. And Dr. Thaddeus is still mortified, like, all oh, these toenails. Now, Lancaster's family understood uh, Edward Lancaster's plight. They can understand the sight of uh, horrific toenails. Ronald has his own history with toenails, as we've been going through this past uh, this past hour or so. But Thaddeus has never seen anything like it. He's just like, oh my god! Oh my god! And Ronald's just like, well, we can't remove it, can we? And Thaddeus is just like, no, put it away. I, I can't. I can't. And Ronald's just like, what? What? And Thaddeus is just like, I can't, I can't, I can't treat you anymore, man. This is a lot. But like, but Dr. Thaddeus, no, no, this is too much toenail for me, man. <laughs> <laughs> And Ronald's just like, Dr. Thaddeus, come on. And then Dr. Thaddeus just like leaves the cemetery and then vomits on the way. 
uh, just like on like one of the walking paths, and leaves without saying another word. And then Ronald's just like, well, I guess there's nothing that we can do here again. I, I give my deepest apologies to the family about not only taking these toenails, but also not telling anywhere where the not telling anyone where the body was where I knew the whole time, and then taking the toenails, and then taking my toenails and putting them with the body. Very uncool. But the Lancasters, you know, they were very kind and warm people. They they forgave him as much as they could. It's not like anyone was harmed in the process. They just wished it didn't uh, affect the grieving process in the way it did. And eventually Ronald went home, goes to his house with his family, starts contemplating his, on his whole life on that first night on Cookie Island, on that conversation with his mother, and that stupid fucking towel <laughs> that he still had, by the way, and sometimes he went to the beach with it. But then, uh, that night, after he, uh, after he cut his fingernails and brushed his teeth, he looked at the mirror and saw a man that spent his whole lifetime being obsessed with toenails. He looked at himself, deep at himself, and at his soul, and he nodded at his mirror image, and he's like, you know what? I'm okay. I feel okay. I don't have the toenail obsession anymore. I truly feel like it has left me. And though I don't have any toenails of my own, I can go and live the rest of my life the way I've always wanted to live it. Full of love, joy, and bliss. And helping others whenever I can. I think truly, even if my therapist didn't walk out on me, I'll still feel ready to move on from therapy. And then Ronald went to sleep that night, feeling good about himself for a first time in a very long time. But that night, in that cemetery, with the soil atop of Edward Lancaster's grave still fresh, Dr. Thaddeus arrives with a shovel. He digs up the grave. He opens the casket. And he just watches the toenails grow. <laughs> and that was... Oops. And that was... The longest toenails known to man. That's the moral of the story. Cut your toenails. Move on. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a story about letting go and accepting oneself. Huh. Yeah, that was. Yeah, Cadence. It's a story about letting go. 
is that what it's about? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a ride. <laughs> <laughs> Concludes tonight's quarantine spook show. I hope you enjoyed this. What did you? Well, no, it's fine. I'm. I actually have the energy for perhaps one <laughs> more spook. Do you want an encore? I can do an encore. Okay. That's. I'm gonna do an encore. All right. <clears throat> Encore spook, quarantine spook show. This encore story is called This next story is The Invisible Man. That it went public about being invisible. He painted his skin, wore scarves, wore sunglasses, gloves, did all the things that people did in the movies to make sure that he was visible, that people could still see, you know. He tried to eat in a way so that no one could see him chew, so that they could see the, the food mush itself and then just like go downward and then vanish. As soon as something digested, it also vanishes. Or does it? It does not. <laughs> what a lot of people don't know about the Invisible Man, everything that goes in his body does not become invisible. Only his, his organs are invisible, but if he eats food, then you get to see a live uh, process of a digest. And it's just like mush. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Watch it turn into urine and feces. He's actually been called a lot from uh, medical experts, not for his, uh, not for being invisible, but for for them for them to watch him digest food, so they can have a better glimpse of the process, a better view than X-rays ever could. And Rita, and when he'd go on dates, he wouldn't uh, unclothe all the way because he didn't want to show his date about uh. You know, what is inside his stomach. He wasn't thrilled about publicizing what he ate that day, you know? So he always concealed his invisibility to the best he could. But he was world-renowned for being invisible, and he accepted this. It was a detail he was okay with people knowing. He woke up invisible, that's how it happened. He doesn't know how it happened. At first he was excited. He was just like, oh shit, I'm invisible. And he just like did like invisible person things, like sneaking up on people and going bleh, you know? 
But then one day he got hit by a car, and he's like, alright, maybe being invisible is not all, all it's cracked up to be. I think I'm just gonna just be a person, and also invisible, just by happenstance. And you get a lot of, uh, often be solicited by the government to do, uh, espionage things, to spy on people and whatnot. And he was just like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I just want to be me, you know. I work at a bank, that's exciting, you know. And no, I don't rob the bank, just because I'm invisible, you know. I'm just a simple bank teller, you know, and yes, I'm invisible. I'll take pictures with people unsheath unsheathing my face to show that there's nothing there. Even though a lot of people can say they pose with the invisible man by just standing next to nothing, you know. That's what he suggests to people as a joke. Like, you could just stand next to nothing. And the people are just like, ha ha, oh, invisible man. You're invisible and charming. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah, yeah. It was pretty rare when he uh, actually used his uh, his invisibility for his for advantages, you know. There was one day when uh, his house was broken into, so he took off all his clothes and then ran and uh, you know called the police and did all that did that whole thing. But he rarely, rarely, but based on his uh. His very, uh, simple life. He rarely, rarely had to flee from anything, you know? That was the life of the Invisible Man. Pretty simple. Not very extravagant, you know? Not like a weird, like, Kevin Bacon thing. Or like that older movie that also had an Invisible Man. Or League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. You know, it was just like, yeah, I just happened to be invisible. day he woke up he usually slept in pajama bottoms or something you know so he didn't freak himself out for not being there it was a struggle that he had when he was first invisible where he couldn't see himself and thought he died or was a ghost but he was just invisible it's something that he's grown used to over the years so he's had more comfortable comfort comfortability and uh, sleeping nude but then when he woke up and showered, he noticed that his veins were different. He was just like, what, what the hell is this? And he felt an abrasion on his forearm and something flow through his bloodstream. Something mysterious, like a purplish blackish hue to it. And he, he didn't know what it was. He thought, did someone inject me with something while I was sleeping? No, that couldn't be. Who can sneak up on someone invisible? But the uh, things in his, the goo in his veins didn't go away for a large amount, of, for a long amount of time. He shows the colleagues, and he's just like, "Oh, you better see a doctor or something." He's like, "Yeah, I think I'm going to." He knows a doctor that he's been to for a while. Uh, the only thing, and the doctor knew that there was nothing uh, different about him anatomically other than he was invisible. So he tried to get a blood sample. The 
blood was invisible, but the goo was not. That was already starting to dilute into the bloodstream a little bit. So he analyzes it a little bit. Takes about maybe two weeks. Then the invisible man, invisible man gets a phone call. And he's just like, hey, uh, uh dude. We have those uh, results. They were they were pals. They went to bars together. You know, they called each other dude. And the invisible man says, "Yeah, so what? What's that goo? It's still flowing through me. It's starting to hurt a little bit." And the doctor says, "Yes, it's poison." It's like poison. What? Yeah, someone poisoned you in your sleep, and now it's killing you slowly. Well, I've had this flowing through my veins in a. For, for a few weeks, you know. Wouldn't have killed me by now. And he's just like, well, maybe it's something about your invisibility that's kind of staving it off somehow. But, uh, yeah, it's gonna strike you down at any moment. And he's just like, oh no, well, is there an antidote? Like, what do I do? What is this poison? And the doctor says, well, it's some sort of, uh, it's from snake venom. Uh, one of those snakes. I don't know which one. I don't study snakes. I study people. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know what to do in this situation. Uh, sorry, dude, you're on your own on this one. Then the doctor hangs up, and then the invisible man says, Huh, oh, it's really so strange. So he goes and, uh, gets, uh, the next morning he goes, he gets up and gets the paper. And then someone throws a rock at him. He's just like, hey, what was that? And someone shouted, I see you! He's just like, what? Like, he sees the poison through his veins, and he's just like, well, yeah, people can see me digest food and stuff. But I'm still invisible, aren't I? He goes to the bank and still wearing clothes and covering his skin so people can see him do facial expressions and whatnot. But he still never feels completely invisible. It didn't occur to him how much of a thrill he had of being completely unseen, but now he's kind of seen. So it's just like, oh, I don't know what to do about this. Eventually, uh, he goes to a different doctor. And then uh, he's asked about the poison once again. This doctor analyzes it. And he says, yeah, we have a antidote for you, uh... You know, uh, you know, further down in town, you know, just south of it. Go to this address at this time, and you can pick it up. He's like, oh, is it at a pharmacy? He's like, no, not quite a pharmacy. You'll see, you'll see. And the invisible man says, oh, that's pretty strange, but okay. So he drives down and gets out of his car, you know, wearing his civilian clothes, you know, still being seen with uh, the makeup and the masking and the heavy clothes and gloves, all that. Sunglasses. goes to the building, but it's just like a large warehouse, and he's just like, what the hell? And then everything goes black and cold, and he wakes up tied to a chair. His doctor is there, so is the second doctor. He's just like, wait, what's going on? What's going on? And then his first doctor says, we want to be invisible too, and we want to figure out how. 
invisible man's like, well, I don't know how. I just woke up like this. And he's just like, yeah, we tried to inject you with serum to try to learn more of its nature. You see, that wasn't poison. That was a serum that was able to absorb uh, attributes of your body, uh, DNA and whatnot, and uh, possibly why you're invisible. So we did tests on it, and I think we almost have it figured out. Need something from you though. And he's just like, what? What? And it's just like, well, there's a procedure where we can extract your invisibility and distribute it among different people, but you won't live through it. And the invisible man's just like, no, no, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. Sounds pretty awful. And he's like, well, you don't have a choice. And then eventually uh, they take a syringe attached to a machine, syringe machine thing, and they're about to do the thing to extract his invisibility. And then suddenly the invisible man was no longer invisible. He was just like a naked dude tied to a chair. And the doctor was just like, what the hell? And the invisible man was just like, well, you know, being invisible happens sporadically, you know? I think it's just also went away as well in the same fashion and the doctors were just like oh fuck all right we'll let you go i guess but don't tell anyone it was us so they let him go reluctantly and then uh the invisible man no longer invisible leaves the warehouse rubs his skin a little bit and he's just like yeah guess i'm not really invisible anymore I guess this is what it's like being an invisible man for a while, and then just kind of people wanting your invisibility, and then uh, the end. Okay, good, good. It wasn't as spooky, and you know? I was just like. That's okay. You don't have to. You finish soft. It's okay. It's okay to finish soft. Yeah. Th yeah. <laughs> oh, the toenails. Now that thus concludes Quarantine Spook Show. Hope you enjoyed that little encore presentation, as well as, which I think that encore presentation was, I guess, was a palate cleanser to the saga, the longest toenails known to man. <laughs>